0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll break down the results from the San Diego Regional Championships that took place this past weekend. We'll talk about what did well, what was popular at the event. We'll talk a little bit about a brand new tool card that was revealed. Maybe teasing a little bit of some of the comeback mechanics that Pokemon promised to us at the World Championships late uh this past year we'll of course have everyone's favorite segment guess that flavor text before i go any further i do have to say i've been seeing some guess that flavor text hate in the comments not about (laughs) it guys not about it come on everyone's favorite segment guess that flavor text and then we'll close out the episode talking about the meta moving forward as liverpool regionals is just a couple of weekends away my name is chip richie and i'm joined here as always by my friend and co-host azul gg Coming off of yet another top 16 finish at a regional so What's up, Azul? How are we doing,
1: man? How you feeling? i uh, feel feeling a little bit tired. I did not have a great uh, weekend in terms of sleep. felt pretty bad throughout the whole weekend. Still was able to walk away with another top 16 finish. And once again, felt like I put myself in a pretty good spot to push for a top 8. Once again, was not able to pull it off. But only falling one step short of that with the top 16. So... Still feel pretty solid about the, the placement, or feel pretty good about the solid placement overall. Went with the Kyogre loss box for the fourth tournament in a row. I am completely burnt out on this format. Um, and kind of, yeah, the overall experience of this tournament was not great. Like I said, pretty bad sleep. Did not feel great throughout the tournament. I think definitely affected my play a little bit. Uh, definitely did not play as good as I could, as well as I could have for sure. Um, so yeah, excited for like the next set to hopefully shake some stuff up, but who knows if it will or not, but yeah, a little bit burnt out on it all. Uh, but how was it to be uh, back to casting in, uh, In it's been, there's only been one event you, you played at Arlington now you're casting. How does it feel yeah. like to be back to casting, Chip? <laughs> There's so many events that are all blurring together. But I'm like I'm pretty sure I know. The last one is the one you played in.
0: Yeah, I was joking with people this weekend as we're walking around, going to restaurants. I'm like, I sometimes I just forget what city I'm in <laughs> because we're like just all over the place all the time. But yeah, I was a caster in San Diego this past weekend. It was fun. And that was actually the first time I'd casted um In a while. So, like, I joked with Brooke, my wife, before I left. I was like, I feel like I haven't casted in forever because the last time I actually was a caster at a tournament was at LAIC, but that was just over a month ago. So it wasn't like it's not even really been that long. But, you know, because in Toronto, I was there uh, a part of the live stream crew, but I was not a caster. I was doing the analyst lounge area, kind of like hosting the show. So uh, or something like that. But and then obviously got to play in Arlington, but yeah, it was good to get back into, um, to doing that, uh, Frosted Caribou was my co-caster, I really enjoy getting to cast with her, I think we've gotten a good chemistry together, and really, um, kind of bounce off of each other, and play off each other's strengths pretty well, which is always good, once you, you know, the more you work with, uh, someone in the booth, you start to just kind of vibe together, and it definitely felt like we had a good Back and forth throughout the entire weekend. Got to cast the final match, which is always fun. Always pretty hype. We saw some exciting moments for sure as well. Games coming down to people like top-decking the last card they needed, which is always really fun and really exciting. So I hope people enjoyed um, seeing that and enjoyed the broadcast and all of those things. Uh, before we get into like our episode, though, is, well, I actually want to ask you a little bit about... Lost Box Kyogre, because yeah, like you said, you played it for like the fourth tournament in a row. <laughs> um, you said you're kind of burnt out on the format. You think you're more burnt out on this deck? Like, is, is that a part of it potentially? The fact that you guys have, it doesn't happen that often that you stick to this, to one deck for this many tournaments in a row.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm a little bit more burnt. Out. I mean, it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. Stuck with the Kyogre again. We couldn't come up with anything that we thought was that much better. We tried to make control work uh, as much as we possibly could, but I think the big stopper for control right now is actually Lost Box Ray. And we expected it to be the most popular build of uh build of lost box and it was by actually quite a bit and we'll talk about talk about that in just a second here um and it was actually more popular than i thought it would be but it was definitely a deck we wanted to make sure we beat or had a fine matchup against and the control decks really struggle against lost box right because that deck can kind of do uh a lot of things That's like the one that makes things really really tough to deal with because it hits so hard so we tried to make some control stuff work didn't quite work out and then we came up with the dragonite v tech or the kyogre deck to beat most that of was the bad you, right that was your matchups. tech Yeah, I forget where I saw the card. I saw the card. Uh, So anyone who doesn't know what Dragonite V does, it has 230 HP. Its first attack is for two colorless energy. It does shred for 50. Uh, And then the second attack is water, water, lightning, 250 damage, and you put 20 on each of your benched Pokemon. And this is like a card that's been around and expanded for a little while. It's like one of the best
0: decks in Expanded, right? Because it's played alongside ADP. ADP, yeah.
1: Yeah, ADP Dragonite is like a deck expanded i don't know if it still is i mean i don't know what expanded actually is right now does anyone but stefan i guess <laughs> yeah, that's about yeah. it <laughs> yeah uh go check check out stefan's twitter to figure out what the best <laughs> expanded deck is right now uh but yeah i saw the card and i was like well it attacks for water water lightning what would this be good against and it like basically auto wins arceus to because it has a 300 230 hp which argues arceus does not want to KO it unless they're playing a terrible list that has the choice belt and even then they'd have to find karen's it. karen's conviction he- baby <laughs> <laughs> so it, it hits really hard with a choice but you're doing 280 so you can like one hit ko arceus's so against other arceus matches besides arceus deraldon it's really good but it basically auto wins arceus deraldon you auto win the mewtwo v union matchup because you just hit too hard and then it just does 250 to 280 damage with the choice but which means you can one hit ko lugias or lugia v's or stoutland like it just can hit really hard and then it, its first attack is shred which means you beat the lone ice Q strategy where they go down to lone ice Q and that's it on their board up against like the uh the articuno and teleon deck or uh, like the Palkia Inteleon deck, like they started adding Ice Q so they could actually do that strategy yeah. and you know, go down to Lone Ice Q to beat Lost Box decks with the Wash Energy. And usually Lost Box can't beat that But if you have Shred, you can beat that. So the deck just, like, fixed a ton of, like, fringe matchups and scenarios. And then in any of the even the more popular matchups, you can just hit really, really, like, I use it against Mew, I think, more so than anything. I hit a ridiculous amount of Lugia, so I didn't use it that much. Um, But the rest of the crew, you know, were beating up on, like, Arc Arcturaldons and stuff, which was nice to see that the tech worked out the way we wanted it to. So, yeah, it was a combination of couldn't make control work, as well as we wanted to. And we found a cool new tech for the Kyogre deck. So we went with the Kyogre once again, threw the Dragonite in there. And I think it was still like a very solid play overall. Uh, Caleb got ninth. Um, I got uh, you know top 16, like I mentioned. Unfortunately, Caleb, Caleb wasn't on the bubble or anything, but we we're both pretty close to be able to push for a top eight. Yeah. So didn't work out this time, but still like a solid run overall. And I'm not disappointed with the deck choice for sure.
0: Yeah, there was one scenario where if like two matches had tied, that a 33 pointer actually would have made it into top yeah. Uh, eight, which would have meant Caleb would have actually gotten in there. So really, really close to someone still getting into top cut with the deck. Didn't quite pan out. Um, you mentioned a lot of decks there, but I think something else, like, it wasn't a real consideration as, like, a card for the matchup, but just kind of ended up being good in, is that it turns out Dragonite's actually, like, pretty good against Reggie's as well, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good against Reggie's as well because uh, even though it's a V Pokemon, they... Two hit KO it, but you also get two KOs out of the Dragonite, which gives you a lot of time to like prepare for your next yeah. KOs uh, and set up to the late game Kyogre plays that you want to get to eventually. So, like, usually, like, your your main Pokemon you're setting up for a one hit KO uh, in the Reggie matchup sometimes. If you want to do the Cram shenanigans, punch with Cram, you do some Sableye shenanigans. Like, the ideal way the matchup plays out is you hit with Cram, they don't heal it, and then you go Sableye KO that Pokemon, set up a bunch of damage uh, everywhere else for Crams and other Sableyes to take advantage of. Or more prize cards, but then you're setting up like a fresh attacker every single turn, which is fine. Uh, And then the one attacker that you have that you can take take a uh, clean one hit KO with is the Snorlax, but then the Snorlax gets returned KO'd immediately. So the Dragonite's really, really good because it lets you take two knockouts in a row without having to set up a fresh attacker. So if you're just like one knockout behind all the way up until you have two prize cards, then you just Kyogre to take your last two prize cards and you just win the game. Uh, The only thing you have to look out for, of course, is Regice can attack your Dragonite and stop it from attacking. So you have to make sure you have a switch card ready to go. But you have Guru if you have guru with the combination of a switch card you can constantly keep a switch card on top of your deck so they can't even marnie you out of it or anything like that so yeah it's actually super super good in the reggie matchup as well so it's just like really good just all around great card um so it's like and that's one of the main reasons i think we really want to go with Kyogre over any of the other top decks it was just like we found the cool new tech card to run in the deck so you know you kind of want to show it off while yeah, you can
0: it feels like there's been small iterations on the deck ever since laic where like laic to toronto like six or seven cards got changed and toronto to arlington like four cards got changed and now for this one just two cards getting changed are you finally down to the the perfect list is this it you know if people are wanting to play this deck in liverpool i guess we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more later but just for now like definitely something you think you would recommend to people
1: yeah if you want to play lost box i mean this array i still think ray has it's uh there's definitely solid reasons to play the Ray build as well don't play table's art table's not very good i don't think yeah um i think power level is just so much lower yeah not having greninja i think is maybe the biggest thing greninja offers so much consistency in the early and mid game it doesn't make up for the the late game power of the charizard i don't think so um yeah it's either ray or kyogre uh we saw something like pablo's list with the double Raikou, and then we even saw like a list that like pram played uh michael Pramot played at arlington where it had like the Raikou plus Zamazenta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually thinking back at uh pram's list there, were, like, there wasn't that many attackers in the deck it was like two stable two cram one Samus as that one Raikou. So uh, but then we looked at like Pablo's list. I really liked Pablo's list. The four escape rope threw me off a little bit. So that's something I'd have to test to see if I like four escape rope, but the double Rayquaza, double Raikou, I really, really liked in Pablo's list. So like that one's like solid as well. But yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean Lost Box I think is in a great spot. So if you're if you if you're feeling uncomfortable by Lost Box, there's no reason to just kind of figure out between Ray and which when you like more and then run with it.
0: Well, let's get into those results from San Diego. We'll start off with just kind of how the tournament felt. Overall, uh, the event was held at the San Diego Convention Center, which is a pretty famous convention center. That's where like San Diego Comic Con is every year, which is the biggest Comic Con. Uh, That's where um, just tons of massive events usually happen. And this was also the first regional championships with VGC added back into the mix this season. Uh, VGC, you know, has the new game. Scarlet Violet came out in November, got a couple months, and now they're. they had their largest tournament ever, I think around like 600 competitors. But I think because of that, we saw TCG numbers suffer a little bit. I think that if there was you know no cap at all, we would have definitely been over 1,000 players once again. Um, yeah. But as it stands, we were at right around 850 Masters, making it the smallest regional so far this season, which is definitely a bit of a bummer.
1: Yeah, that does kind of stink. But it's nice to know that it's not because the players don't want to show up and the game's, like, dying all of a sudden in the middle of the season. It's literally because the venue space that was acquired, they couldn't fit more people in, right? Um, And we know, like, I guess, like, another thing to add to this is, like, we know that events won't have to stay like this forever because we know there's, like, uh, 3,000 player Magic tournaments that happen in the U.S. all the time. So the venue sizes, the venues exist to hold, like, larger tournaments for Pokemon players, Um, or even like the current venues and just getting more space. So hopefully, you know, if not this year, because everything has probably already been booked ahead of time, right? Uh, Or maybe we could even look towards something like uh, NAIC, which will probably be the biggest event of the year. Maybe we can hope that, you know, TPCI looks ahead to that and is like, well, the game doesn't seem to be growing quite a bit. Maybe we should acquire some more space and open up the cap from what we had previously thought we'd want, right? Um, So we could see something like that for sure, right? That would be cool. But we know like hopefully going into next year that they will like, the organizers hopefully the tos take note of this um and like actually get some bigger venues especially if we're gonna have vg alongside the tcg you know theoretically going forwards for like the rest of the regionals this year obviously but like going to next year who who, i guess i guess yeah yeah, we'll have it for every regional next year because it won't be a new game next year right
0: yeah yeah it should be the same and um i do want to correct one thing it's this actually was not technically the smallest regionals this season as salt lake had right around the same number it was actually at eight hundred and thirty seven just wanted to Mm -hmm. double check that but uh i mean i think that is partially due to like just west coast things it's a little bit smaller um more people live on the east coast right and east coast and midwest and like are willing to drive but those people are not going to drive across the country right for a pokemon tournament um so just generally west coast events have been um a bit smaller but i do feel like you know san diego is a pretty easy destination to get to california is pretty massive as well so i feel like we would have hit that thousand pretty easily if it hadn't um, been capped and a big props to the yeah. organizer once again because they were releasing space spaces as they became available all the way up until like tuesday before the tournament so i'm glad they were trying to fill it as much as possible i just wish that like more spots from the beginning were available but i understand there's so many factors to it but uh um, yeah hopefully
1: just moving forwards, like i think we'd have to say moving forwards into next year like i said besides maybe naic maybe they can look ahead and be like all right let's get more space if we can yeah. um yeah going to next year hopefully tos you know Get more space at the halls that they plan on booking or just, like, find some halls that can – or some venues that can uh, support more players? Because I think we definitely have the – because even, like, Salt Lake City, I'm pretty sure Salt Lake City sold out, right? Even though it only had the 800 people, I'm pretty sure it sold out eventually. Like, yeah, would have been more people there if there could have been.
0: Yeah, I don't know for certain, but Mm. I think that does sound just about right. But let's get into the meta for this past weekend, and I don't think that there's really anything shocking here in the day one meta we've got a little graph that was put up on the stream showing 33 percent of the day one field was lugia v star archaeops and uh, looking at day two as well it was an even higher percentage 34 out of the 89 players in day two were on lugia archaeops so uh, even higher percentage than that i don't know i mean it's kind of what we expect at this point yeah
1: yeah lugia was very uh, very popular. Mew, still pretty popular as well and did pretty well in the tournament overall. Um, yeah, I definitely expect Lugia to be around the 30% mark. I don't think it's going to change either. I mean, I expect that to carry forwards for. I don't think Crown Zenith is going to change the four. I think Lugia might be 30% up until rotation. Um, <clears throat> and even then, we still have Lugia. We still have Archeops. It just loses a bunch of its special energy. We could still see it being a pretty powerful deck. Yeah,
0: it loses the special energy well. and all the amazing rare attackers rotate too. Yeah
1: hopefully not as good but maybe still decent if it falls to like a tier two deck i think everyone would be fine with that though so uh so yeah 33 percent of that uh lugia still sitting there at the second place i thought it would probably fall maybe down Mew. to third Mew place sitting in second or place. Mew. my bad wait is it am i missing it are we just missing a deck here did the deck just fall off out of nowhere i feel like there was something else up here where there was like lugia Mew, and something
0: it was seen lugia Mew.
1: was that the one that was like mm-hmm. the third place yeah. deck really i feel like there was a different deck yeah. all right <laughs> so, yeah um <laughs> so yeah
0: decks in his mind
1: <clears throat> it, well in my head i was like there. Were, i thought there was three decks that i was talked about being the top three and yeah Lugia, Mew and lost box really i thought there was a different one maybe i'm just yeah i'm just like losing my mind, <laughs> what maybe. deck is it i don't know that's what i'm trying to figure out but i guess i'm just like thinking it's something that's not lost box but yeah are you still hanging like on Maxi's evil Tower um, or
0: something like that
1: yeah i guess i don't know and then yeah lost box or lost ray uh, at 9.5, Reggie at 7.8, and then we have other Lost Box decks, which would be like the Sablezards and the, the Kyogres or anything else at 5.2, and then Eternatus making it onto the graphic instead of falling into the uh, <laughs> the 30% other. It made it onto the graphic at 4.1%, so I'm really curious as to what the seventh deck is, to be honest, if Eternatus made it up to the top <laughs> six. Um, it didn't do very well, though. It didn't do very well. I hit one of them. Uh, had a pretty reasonable time against it. Doesn't have a great Kyogre loss box matchup. Um, and I don't think it's anything special against Lugia either. But it did make it... I guess enough players thought it was good enough into Lugia, though, to bring it, though, as it made it up there at 4%.
0: That was actually one of the first things I noticed when I got to the venue on Saturday. I was walking around. I was. It was during round number two when I was walking around, looking at all of the matches. And one of the first things I noticed is like there is way too much Eternatus here. Way more Eternatus than <laughs> than I would have anticipated. Now, granted, it was just at one zero, right? Anything can win round one if you hit the right matchup in that first one, right? But yeah. Um, yeah i was like dang that's that's a lot of etern and sure enough it ends up getting on the graph the the sixth most played deck it did not have a good conversion rate only two people made day two with the deck so that's not i mean 35 into just two making it not a very good conversion rate probably not a deck that you want to choose to play for an event and yeah i think it just doesn't have a great lugia matchup doesn't really have a great lost box matchup it's probably okay against Mew, but I mean, honestly, yeah, that's not, not. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's even <laughs> the best necessarily.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what you're being overly all with. I don't even know Do you have you Like, yeah, that's like, yeah, your Lugia matchup is the one where I feel like you're not that good against it. As long as people know the strategy against it, and that's why it's probably a little bit deceiving. As far as the magic goes, like you pick up the Eternist deck, you play on ladder with it a little bit, you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Uh, but that's because you're hitting a bunch of Lugia players so if, like they, they see the Wheezy in the e They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what like to how to strategize around it in the early turns to give themselves the best chance. And I'm sure if you know if you hit that same person again, it would probably be a little bit different. But that's probably their first game against the Weezing turn, right? So I think like yeah, 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 the matchup's a little bit skewed in those terms. And then like I said, yeah, I mean, you saw, I think you're probably your are and your, your Rayquaza matchup is probably okay as a Weezing, but against uh, specifically Kyogre, I think it's pretty bad. And then Reggie, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it have that great of a Reggie matchup either. You can kind of sit uh, a on your bench and build it up while you just kind of. You know, just draw pass uh, yeah. against the Weezing deck because Weezing. The thing is, the Weezing just doesn't KO anything very fast. No, you got the Sneezler, but even then, you're like three hit KO. It's like three turns of poison to KO any like Reggie or anything like that. Or it doesn't even like one hit KO a Comfy. Like the Comfy is still alive after taking sixty, so you're not KOing anything very fast as the Weezing deck.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't you can beat anything by going turn one Judge Ascension into Weezing, right? Like that. That yeah. can just steal you some games, and that's probably what happened for a lot of the players uh, at. And that's probably one of the main draws of the deck, honestly, the fact that that is a possibility and, um, you know, stealing games like that. Yeah, cheesing some games is never a bad (laughs) thing, you know, for for a deck to be able to do um, that you want to choose to play to regionals. But yeah, I, I don't think it's a big surprise that it had a pretty reasonable fall off going from day one into day two. Um, yeah, I guess. Like, other uh, than that I think that this is pretty much what we predicted I mean we said that we thought uh Rayquaza would be the most popular Lost Box version I thought there was a chance that it would be more popular than Mew it was close there was 14 yeah. more Mew players than there were uh Rayquaza players but uh Reggie was definitely on the rise as well
1: yeah Reggie not... one thing more thing I'll say about the Weezy next. I think like uh I like I would probably just play straight wheezing i think straight wheezing is like the better like if you're if you're gonna play a wheezing deck just play straight wheezing because it turns your lugia matchup from slight like from unfavorable to an auto win auto winning lugia is pretty good uh and then your your lost box matchups in general i think stay about the same you do take a harder Mew matchup but i think for auto winning lugia that's like worth the trade-off like your Mew matchup is worse as straight wheezing but then you auto win the lugia matchup as opposed to being unfavorable i think that's a pretty good trade-off with how popular lugia is right now so if you're set on wheezing you should try out straight wheezing over the wheezing etern for sure um yeah we're pretty close in our uh predictions of the uh predictions of the meta for sure right i think we're yeah pretty close
0: and now let's take a look at the top eight so the top eight uh was actually pretty uh interesting because there were seven different decks in top eight so Eight different players, seven different archetypes. The one archetype that was doubled up was not Lugia. It was the amazing Rayquaza. we will just run down it real quick. It was Gibby Archer Tang winning with the Vicavolt deck. And it is pronounced Vikavolt, I learned this weekend. So I'm going to try <laughs> to work on saying it correctly. Vicavolt and Drapion, not Drapion, Drapion. I'm going to struggle with that one for sure. (laughs) Um, Nathan Ginsburg getting second place with the Mew Genesect. So, still having a strong showing. I don't think anyone is really ever surprised to see Mew make a deep run. It's not something you like, um, are ever going to be, you know, it's just such a high power level deck. Someone can just hit the right matchups and draw really well and get there and play well enough. And yeah, Nathan was able to do that. Grant Shin getting third with the Arc Duraladon, Azul's favorite deck. Uh, Ryan Harris. (laughs) And Pablo Meza getting top four and top eight, respectively, with the Lost Box Rayquaza. Makani Tran with a super unique Arceus Toolbox counter deck. Really was a big fan of this one. Darren Omira getting top eight with the Reggies, a list that they said that they took from Azul. <laughs> uh, the, the list that Azul won an online event with last week. And Alex McNeil getting top eight with the Lugia.
1: Yeah, so... Nothing. I, yeah, like none of the decks that are in the top eight, I think, are too surprising. Like, I hate on Arceus to run all the time, but it being there isn't a surprise. You being second place isn't a surprise. There's only one Lugia in top eight, but the rest of the decks that are there to kind of replace other Lugias. Um, I guess Makani had the uh, really interesting uh, Arceus deck. We saw builds like this kind of pop up initially from Michael Catron doing decently at it with at, at Toronto Regionals. Yes. Uh, and this build is switched up. Uh, this is a little bit different of a build than what Catron was running with like the Shadow Rider and the Fans of Waves to kind of lock out Mew. Instead, this build has a Drapion, and it has a Flying Pikachu in it as well, uh, alongside the, the Empoleon, the Espeon VMAX, of course, and then the 1-1 Aerodactyl, which is like your main win condition against Mew, is, or against Lugia, as you have the 1-1 Aerodactyl. But now you also have a Flying Pikachu as well. So if they don't have the Dunsparce and you don't get off the Aerodactyl, you can actually still play the game against them, I feel like, a little bit.
0: Yeah, you've got some play. I mean, Arceus just does still deal solid damage. Um, Yeah, this is one of my favorite ones from the weekend, for sure. Definitely enjoyed seeing Makani's game. We actually had Makani on the stream. The very first round that we streamed, round three, it was Makani up against Israel Sosa. Um, and Makani's had a great season so far. Got top four at Baltimore, the first regionals of the year, and has had several day two finishes since then, so... um I actually saw on Twitter Makani was saying that thinking back on the tournament, he was kind of bummed out because it was like he felt like this was his tournament to win because his deck had pretty good matchups into all of the, the decks in top eight. Just, you know, sometimes I think your favorite against the Lost Box decks or like in theory you have a game plan against them. Sometimes it just doesn't always quite pan out. That's what happened in game three. They went to game three in top eight and Makani just couldn't quite close it out. Ryan was able to to get the win
1: in that one so it's so Makani lost to uh to Ryan, Ryan with Harris, the... yeah yeah I mean that matchup is uh you don't have and we got the flying Pikachu yeah um but I think <clears throat> Ryan does did play the the Raikou V it has the like the so it had the Raikou V escape uh, escape rope boss combo so you can actually one hit KO the flying Pikachu um in one turn mm.
0: which
1: yeah. a lot of other lost box decks can't really deal with the flying Pikachu as well um but when you got like the, the boss combo like that, you can kind of like eventually get there. Cause you can always do like other stuff with the lost box. Like you can always be sable lying something off the bench or something if like the espion's not set up. And there's like a lot of one of ones in this list here from a, like one Empoleon. The Empoleon's great in the matchup. Yeah. we play one, sure. one, one flying Pikachu, one, one espion. All these things are great in the matchup, but you only play ones of them. So sometimes it can be hard to, you prize some of them, can't set them up as efficiently, stuff like that. Right. So um can definitely make it a little bit closer. Um, but yeah overall i guess like besides with the, especially with there being less lukia in the top eight i think that did kind of make it a pretty good uh matchup spread for Makani. maybe besides the arc dura matchup i actually don't really know yeah. how, how that matchup flows because you have a lot of special energy in the deck for uh Makani. only like seven basic energy but that might be enough to get you there
0: yeah and espion i think if you play it right can probably clean up a knockout for you on a Duraladon. um you can not knock out the first Arceus V and try to save no. Espion to knock out a Duraludon. Granted, your opponent can, like, retreat the energy off or Hyper Potion them off, something like that. So there, there's probably some levels to the matchup for sure. But um I, outside of that, like, probably on paper decent matchups across the board. Definitely, I think, felt good against the Mew. Probably felt good against the Lugia. Felt good against the Regis for sure with the Flying Pikachu. Um Yeah. I and mean, i don't know i guess volt is maybe the other question mark probably like arceus probably just traditionally does yeah. pretty good into those decks right
1: just like yeah, you, you probably, could just you know.
0: attack with arceus probably and be just fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think you'd yeah you just attack with arceus it's fine actually i think the reggie map was actually probably would be pretty close for makani so you do have the espion to stop the reg ice from being mm-hmm. able to affect your flying pikachu but uh there's four paths of the peak in yeah. the reggie deck so if the espion's in play you stick the path you Regice, you hit the flying pikachu and then you just go Gus one to kill the pikachu with the uh gigas you can also like Gus ko the pikachu with a lucky before it even gets set up as well so that one actually i think might even be just like reggie favorite but yeah, overall i mean the the deck is like i do think this is like a very cheesy deck these this kind of arceus build is like super cheesy um and it doesn't mean it's a bad deck and your win percentage i think overall into the meta is like decent but uh, you are definitely trying to cheese your opponents a decent amount of time, especially when you're like your main win condition against Lugia is that Aerodactyl. So you're hoping to go first. Uh, <laughs> we have to hope to go first against Lugia. It generally feels like that's not a uh, a great matchup, especially when it's the most popular deck. It definitely makes the deck feel sure. a little bit, a little bit cheesy. Um, but I think maybe uh, the, one of the biggest surprises for me, actually, I think for the for the top eight was uh, Gibby winning with the with the Vault because. I don't. I don't think we have Gibby's list exactly. It's not here on Limitless. I don't know exactly what the list is. It's obviously taking after Krekler's build that they just got second with at Arlington Regionals, and I believe Krekler. Someone I saw somewhere that Krekler was quoted saying that the deck sucks and no one should play it, and then Gibby <laughs> takes the deck and wins a tournament, yeah. the, the following tournament, which I thought but that was like a surprise to me that uh, I didn't even know that uh what Gibby was playing I saw Gibby up towards the top tables the whole whole of day two I had no idea what they were playing until they actually like were in the finals with the
0: <laughs> yeah definitely a bit of a surprise I mean it was like a deck that was kind like people knew about it obviously because Alex got second with it but it didn't feel like people were really talking about it that much like I don't even think we yeah. talked about it that much like we certainly mentioned it at least and. In- We didn't feel like it was like amazing or anything like that. And that's probably how many testing groups felt about the deck. It was like, yeah, this is like a cool deck. It's probably fine, but I don't think there's going to be much of it. And there wasn't, to be fair, right? You know, I think Gibby was the only person in day two with this archetype. um, But it was good enough for him him to be able to win the tournament, um, which is cool to see. So, yeah, the good old item lock and Aerodactyl and. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit of justice as well, because speaking of like (laughs) tournaments that it was someone's tournament to win, like Dallas was definitely Alex Kreckler's tournament to win, right? Like he he had the good counter deck. There was so much Lugia in day two of that tournament. This deck does great against Lugia, it feels like. And, um, you know, no discredit to Connor at all. I mean, Connor's a great player. Connor's a friend of mine. I'm happy that he won, but it definitely feels like alex on paper should have won and just got a little unlucky there in game three
1: yeah definitely 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 felt like crackler should have i mean definitely had like the favorable especially with connor not playing dunsparce right um so even if crackler goes second uh in whatever game even if you go second there is crackler then you can just start swinging the Bolt and like at the item lock can sometimes keep them out of the game itself especially when you're doing as much damage as you are doing with um with with the vicar Bolt. So, uh, yeah, that one definitely felt like Crackler's tournament to take. And it's funny that, like, after that, you know, Crackler's take on the deck itself was like, it doesn't seem, it's not, it's not great. Uh, you mm-hmm. shouldn't probably play it. Uh, and then, yeah, Gibby takes it and wins the next <laughs> tournament. And definitely a, a less favorable top eight situation. Because yeah. the top eight that Kreckler was in had, what, like six, uh, five Lugias, a Lost Box, and a Reggie. So the Reggie's like, the only match if you don't really want to hit. And Kreckler even hit the Reggie in the top eight match up against Christian. Is able to take it down and then has to go through Lugia's the rest of the way. Not quite able to close it out. Whereas Gibby, there's two Arceus decks, which are both pretty bad matchups uh, in the top eight. Uh, but besides that, the lost boxes, there's a, two lost boxes, the Lugia and the Mew. I think the Reggie matchup is probably about 50-50. After watching Christian play up against Kreckler, mm-hmm. i Ivaud reviewed the the uh, Arlington regionals top eight. Um, it, I definitely think Christian made some mistakes that could have made uh, the games a little bit closer, but overall, I definitely think it is probably close to uh, 50-50 for sure. I think it was definitely probably close to uh, 50-50. Also, I guess like a big thing in that matchup for uh, this, something that uh, Christian didn't have is Christian only played two paths at the peak. So you weren't able to be as aggressive with the path. So like the four path, I think, puts a lot more pressure on the Vika Vault deck uh, throughout the games. Um, so that was like a big difference that they would have hit. So I think that was a pretty close one. So, yeah, this one was like definitely a worse, a worse top eight to run the Vika Vault deck through. But yeah, Gibson able to take it all the way to the Mew uh in the finals and the mew matchup i think is pretty good for the deck uh uh so once you got to the finals there is give it was, was uh, going to be in a pretty good spot so i
0: don't think that the results like this i don't think that these top eight decks are going to change really anything in the meta maybe people consider mew a little bit more heavily i don't think that many players were really thinking mew was going to do super well this weekend Nathan Ginsburg was able to still do really well with it. Um, but other than that, everything else in this top eight was kind of a known quantity. Maybe some other people hype on uh hop onto the Arceus counterbox train. But um, outside of that, you know, I think it's still obvious that Lugia V Star is the best deck in the format. Lugia V Star yep. is going to remain the most popular deck in this format for every tournament that happens in this format. And I guess the question would be. You know, we see it be 33% of the day one meta, 38% of the day two meta, but only one in top eight. Why is, is it that, like, I mean, that's similar numbers to what we saw in Arlington, right? It's like 33-ish to 35, 40% in day two. And if we look at the top 32 of Arlington, it's just absolutely <laughs> littered with Lugias. There's so many Lugias in the top 32 and five in the top eight. Why is there only one in the top eight of this event?
1: Um, I think it's probably because we've had more time in the format, so people have been able to figure out more ways. Th- they've been able to refine their Lugia matchup, find more ways to beat it with their with their decks, whatever deck you might be playing, whether that's a Lost Box um, or even something like the Mew from uh, Nathan. So you've had more time to test the matchup, understand it better. Uh, and when it is that much, that much of the meta, that understanding that matchup is so much more important than any other matchup, right? Mm-hmm. So you've had a little bit more time for that. And then I think another big factor here was actually more of the top players in the game chose not to play lugia um i think that to, specifically to talk to is the, you know bradner and crew which no disrespect to the rest of the people who play with bradner but that's just like this is like the the name <laughs> i throw out there you're all great players uh but bradner is the one who's been consistently doing the best out of the crew so calling hey, on bradner listen, and crew do we, is just do we need to call it, it bakari goes.
0: and crew bakari's the one with the regional championship wins right or sam chin right sam's got two regional wins like. uh, yeah, what, was is like what was,
1: was that like reaction? What was that reaction? Sam's first day two. Uh,
0: I, I said Sam Chin and you went,
1: uh. He's, he's been struggling recently. This said the first day two in a little while. Listen, I'm happy for Sam to get the day two. I, I talked to him at like every single event. I'm always like, man, you got to put the Lugia away. You got to pick up a different deck. You should not be playing Lugia. You don't play enough games in the in the current uh you don't play enough games in the game right now and he, and he agrees with me and then he picked up the reggie and he was like you were right i should have never been playing lugia i should have been playing <laughs> something else so he even agrees with me on that i'm happy to see him in day two and getting close to a top eight as well Like he was on the winning and so yeah, he was, yeah. all he had to do was put the lugia down uh, i told him the same thing uh last season too i was like put the Palkia down pick up a the non-most popular bdif and i guarantee you'll have more success um the first time he does it winning into top eight uh, but yeah, Bradner and crew, like I said, no disrespect to the rest of the players on the crew. <laughs> mm. They all chose to play Reggie for the most part. Uh, John still played the Lugia deck. I played against John twice in this tournament uh, and we tied both times. So we didn't get that's to quite close cringe. any of them out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I played against John twice in this one. We, we tied both times. Uh, but I mean, that's going to be an impact, right? When you have six of some of the best players in the game choosing to pick up a deck that's not Lugia, that'll have an impact, right? They're going to be there. Maybe they'll be in top eight or pushing for top eight, but they'll also be beating Lugias with a deck that's not Lugia, right? So I think that's, even just like that, even like those six players choosing not to, or five or six players, whatever, choosing not to play Lugia. I think that specifically can have a bigger impact than some people uh, think or realize. Um, So I think that is actually a decent part of it. Um, But yeah, I think, and then past that though, more players, like I think when when a deck is initially determined as the best deck in format, everyone's playing it. Um, but then eventually people get bored of it. Everyone gets bored of playing the same thing over and over and over again. So people are just going to pick up different stuff, try different stuff. I think it's, it's a little bit of that as well. Like we saw Lugia still being the same percentage, um, but we probably saw people who are like more regular, a uh, little bit better of players who go to more tournaments, You know, put down the Lugia, pick up something else. And those are the players who are likely to do a little bit better... Than the average player, right? So, as long as those players are picking up something else that's not Lugia, Lugia's gonna do a little bit worse overall. But I could also see if you reran this tournament, Lugia could still just be like six of the top eight as well, right?
0: Yeah. And and there were several players like on the winning end, like we mentioned, or like, you know, if they don't tie in round 14, get a win in round 15, they're in top eight. There's so many like if fans, you know, this could have happened, that could have happened.
1: there wasn't much Lugias on the winning end, but like Alex and Riley hit each other, which were two of the Lugias uh, on one of the winning end matches. So if they just don't hit each other, then we have two Lugias in top cut potentially, and then another one piece. Like if they three of the top cut is three if three of the top cut is uh, Lugias, and that's like feels maybe a little bit more reasonable. But like, yeah, I don't think it makes like a huge. It's not like a huge. Like nothing really changed. I don't think. I think just like the way this tournament played out, which wasn't as much Lugia in top eight, but Lugia still the still going to be the most popular deck. I think we'll definitely see. I don't know my prediction for this for this tournament was that it would be dropped down to twenty five percent, and I was wrong. It's at thirty three, which I think might be the highest <laughs> day one meta percentage yet. So I was wrong on that, not by a lot, but uh, but I think we'll see some more people. You know, pick up stuff like maybe we'll see some more people revisit Mew. Still not a huge fan of Mew personally. I did like the texts that Nathan ran, like the Collapse Stadium. I think is very strong against Lost Box decks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um. So, but you're always just a Drapion away from. Uh, Wishing you had never brought me to a tournament, right? So you're always <laughs> just like one Drapion away. And we still saw like Riley rocking the Drapion and stuff like that. So you just a drapey on away from wishing you didn't bring mew so but i think we'll see more people revisit maybe maybe mew but i think the arceus deck maybe more so than anything is what we'll see more people look into because i think lost box percentages are always going to be growing up until the point where lost box isn't really a viable deck in the format i think lost Box's percentages will have been increasing every single tournament and will continue to increase every single tournament uh, up until the point it's not viable anymore but yeah i could see the, or the arceus deck from uh, makani being the main deck that maybe we see a little bit more of moving forwards
0: yeah, and speaking of other decks, there were other things that got featured on the stream at some point. Not necessarily things that made it super far in the tournament, top 32 or uh, top 8 or anything like that. But uh, a couple of other interesting things to talk about. We saw a in day 2 an Origin Form Dialga V-Star in, in, uh, on stream uh, playing up against Caleb as well with his Lost Box Kyogre deck. They were pretty close
1: then, right, to, like, potentially getting top eight. They were only, like, a win or two away.
0: Yeah, they were 9-2-1 whenever he and Caleb played. The guy's name is Derek Schwartz, and he actually came up to me in, like, round two of day one. And he was like, oh, hey, Chip, how's it going? And I recognized him because he got on stream in, like, Milwaukee or something like that, one of the tournaments earlier this year, I think because um, he was playing Dialga back then as well. And he came up to me and was like, yeah, I haven't played in like six months, so I just brought my same deck. <laughs> and That's like why <laughs> he's playing Dialga and almost made top eight with it, which is so sick. Love to hear that. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I wonder if there's any merit to it. I don't know how it does against Lugia. It doesn't feel like it's probably great against Box. I feel like it's probably pretty good against Reggie's because there's nothing Reggie can do to one-hit KO it. Yeah. And at some point you just take... Uh, two turns in a row, right? So and also right. it also
1: plays Avery, so you take five Reggies out of play. <laughs> yeah, in, exactly. In one turn or two turns, yeah. So, yeah, with the Avery's, the Reggie matchup's got to be pretty bad. Um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, like I think your your Lost Box matchup probably isn't great. Was able to take down Caleb uh, in a pretty close game two to get a tie. Uh, and then yeah, your Lucian matchup probably is pretty reliant on who goes first. But if you do go first as uh, Dialga, I feel like you're probably in a fine spot. Uh, and even if you go second... The thing is, if you go second and they just kind of, like, bench their Charizard, it makes it awkward for you to, like, go chase their Archeops or something and, like, loop their Archeops or something. So I'd imagine, like, yeah, you're trying to go... It might be, yeah, it feels like it feels kind of like the Vika Vault deck. Or not the Vika Vault deck, like the Arceus uh, Aerodactyl deck, where it's like, okay, if I go first, I'm feeling good. If I don't go first, I guess <laughs> they just win. But if you can make any... If you can make the most popular, best deck in the format, a 50-50, I mean... It's not a terrible place to go from, right? It's not a terrible place to be.
0: Yeah. Another deck that we saw a couple times from a couple of brothers with the the Sosa brothers, Israel Sosa and Sammy Sosa both brought the Gudra, the Lost Box Gudra deck. This is actually a deck that Grant was testing before Arlington a little bit. He didn't end up thinking that it was the best, so I don't think a lot of thought got put into it from our group or anything like that, but um yeah, I mean I don't know if you I imagine you haven't really had a chance to go back and see the stream or anything like that. But do you have any thoughts or opinions on Gudra spot in the meta and the potential behind it? All
1: right, it's interesting. It's been popping up a lot in online tournaments mm-hmm. leading up to doing like really well, like winning online tournaments leading up to and maybe Sosa won one of them. I don't even know to be honest. Um But it was popping up a lot and actually doing like getting wins in online tournaments before uh this tournament. I took note of it. It was one of the decks I kind of was like, okay, if it's doing this well, I should probably like pick it up and try some games with it. Never had time to. Um, I think the deck is solid. I just don't think that you're, it's once again like, it's like you're taking a tough time against Lugia, I feel like overall. <laughs> like, I feel like you're like, you're not, um, you're not, um, you don't have a great shot against Lugia in general. Like, your Lugia matchup is just, it's just close. If they go first and they just boss KO your first Guja, you're just kind of in a bad spot. Even if you get two down, now you go into one Guja. But they're still hitting you pretty hard from there, so it gets pretty rough. So I think it's just like that, that's the matchup that's uh the the toughest for, for the Guja deck. You're also betting on like no vacuums. You don't want to play up against a Lugia with double vacuum, which is like a lot of decks kind of take those gambles where it's like, um, I beat Lugia if they don't have you know these tech cards, right? So yeah. and Lugia can always have them. So you're hoping you hit the Lugia's that don't have the tech cards that beat you, or the kind of the meta shifts around those tech cards being that good, and then everyone has them.
0: Yeah, it felt like a lot of the Lugia's did not have double vacuum this weekend to yeah. me at least. A lot of a lot of the Lugia's had Raikou though. <laughs> it feels it did, like yeah. that Raikou was in like most of the Lugia decks.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah, I think it was. And the majority of the ones I played against had it. At after like the second Lugia that I played against had it, I was like, "All right, I'm going to bench Manaphy aggressively now because before uh like previous tournaments like Arlington, I did not bench Manaphy first against uh Lugia decks ever. I made them show me their Raikou, and then I was like, all right, game two and game three, if I if they beat me with it, you know, I'll, I'll bench the Manaphy now, right? But after the second Lugia I played against in <laughs> uh, in uh, San Diego and then kind of looking around the tables a little bit, I was like, okay, maybe I should be putting down the Manaphy against Because so, you don't really want the Manaphy on your bench. It doesn't do anything if they just don't have the Raikou. So you don't want to put it down, but it's like, if they do have it, you do kind of need it. So you do want to... It depends depending on where the meta's at. It definitely seems like the meta has shifted to... uh bunch of raikou enjoyers so yeah bench bench your mana fees make sure you get your mana fee and put on your bench for sure
0: yeah and then one more little shout out i definitely have to give to the uh round four streamed match we had on a super unique deck absolutely the most unique deck possibly in the whole tournament a a ditto shedinja deck the player's name was caitlin earnhardt Uh, unfortunately she did play up against control which seems like it was a pretty abysmal matchup for her deck, as she did not win. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, this was a really unique one. Uh, Shedinja from Vivid Voltage. I want to remember its attack name exactly. Yeah, it's Life Squeeze. Put damage counters on your opponent's active Pokemon until its remaining HP is 10. It's a basic Pokemon, 3 colorless. But it has the ability that says you cannot put it into play. You can't, like, bench it or anything like that. But it is a basic Pokemon, so if you discard it, you can use the Ditto from Pokemon Go with its Sudden Transformation ability in order to copy its attack. So you can still use the attack, put your opponent's active Pokemon down to 10 HP remaining. And then the way you clean it up is with the Garbodor from Rebel Clash with its Poisonous Puddle ability, which allows you to poison your opponent's active Pokemon. So it's a big combo deck. You chain it together with Raihans um, and Snorlax Gormandize to fill the hand up and stuff like that. Um, she started 3 0 with it. And so it was kind of like a situation of is this deck ever going to be three zero at a regionals again? We've got to get it on. It's super cool, super unique. Um, and unfortunately, it was just up against a, a control matchup, right?
1: Yeah. I think even more so than that, like now that I like fully have thought about it, like, you know, it's like. like and it's, it's they went up against a control matchup but literally i think all the control play had to do was bench rescue with wash energy and pass right and then the game's just over yeah like you don't I even mean, have to so you don't even she, have to attack right
0: she, well she has um garbodor and has a darkness energy so could attack with the garbodor oh. it does 80 damage and it also poisons <laughs> so you put on a little bit of pressure but it's not a lot yeah <laughs> not, not, not a, a lot okay
1: okay there is an out, then. There is an out. But, yeah, not a good out at all. So, yeah, rough matchup, unfortunately, for that one. Um, but, yeah, I think that covers pretty much everything we want to talk about as far as San Diego goes. Uh, moving on. Up next, uh, just one card, new card revealed. It's so not too much to look at here. But it actually is, like, a pretty interesting card. And I think the, the biggest talking point about this card is going to be uh kind of the discussion around comebacks that they kind of mentioned in that short little video that they showed us at Worlds about you know how they want to move forward with the Pokemon TCG in general starting with Scarlet and Violet right mm-hmm. so uh it is competitive band uh, and this is coming out in EX Violet I think so for us it'll be coming out in our Scarlet and Violet set but it's EX Violet I believe for the Japanese set um <clears throat> if you have more prize cards remaining it is a tool card if you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent Attacks from the Pokemon, this card is attached to deal 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon. So as long as you're behind on the prize trade, or it has more prize cards remaining than you, your attacks to your opponent's active Pokemon do 30 more damage. So like I said, they were talking a little bit about, you know, the potential for comebacks and how they want to make that a bigger point in the game. In that little video that they showed us at Worlds about releasing, you know, EXs are coming back, Scarlet and Violet, yada yada. Um, So this kind of feels like the start of that.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, This card is really similar to a card that has existed in the past. Solid Rage from EX Unseen Forces, which is the exact same thing. If you have more prize cards left in your opponent, this attack does 20 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon. So obviously this one is scaled up for Pokemon having a lot more hit points than they did back in uh, 2006,
1: 2007. But didn't it do like 10 damage at the base and then do 20 more? For some reason, no, I like, remember that card. No. there's another. Yeah, tu-
0: there is another tool card that adds just ten damage. It's strength. Triangle, oh, okay. Right? So it's just a different. Oh, I remember
1: like a red, a red. Isn't like a red crystal? Yeah, it's solid. That? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Oh, but I've it doesn't it have a base, right base of oh, ten. No, it does not do. A base I remember. Of 10. The, yeah, I remember the card, but for some reason, I remember it doing like ten, but more if you're behind. Okay, maybe it's I'm just wrong, only right.
0: twenty when you're behind. Yeah. So it's like okay. it's it's the same thing as competitive band. Yeah. Um. And I I think that this card is very okay. Um, Comeback mechanic cards like this, you know, when we're talking about counter cards, cards that you want to specifically, uh, that you can only utilize when you are behind on prizes, usually only work in specific decks, um, decks that are built to utilize them sometimes decks that have Pokemon that you can choose when you activate them, things like Electrodes that usually blow up, give your opponent a prize, boom, all of a sudden you're going to be doing 30 more damage. Um, I don't think like you would really see this ever being slotted into like a Lost Box or a Lugia deck as an option most of the time. It's going to have to be in a deck that can specifically... Um, Tr- go out of their way to utilize it. And so I'm interested yeah. if like whenever they say, at, like we've talked about that video at Worlds a few times in the uh, in the last couple of months, right? Where they said yeah. they want to focus on comeback mechanics. Is this the type of comeback mechanic they mean? Like a counter card, something like counter gain, counter energy versus something like in or Roxanne, something like that, or reset stamp? Because those are like, but you could consider both of those things to be comeback mechanics, but they're kind of in two different classes of ways you come back into the game because one is useful, uh, something you can play anytime. And one is something that you can only play when you are specifically losing.
1: Well, I think this card, like the, I think this card is comparable to Roxanne because it's a dead card up to a certain point. Um, I guess this is less of a the thing about this. though, though I was like, so Roxanne is like a dead card up to a certain point where like the, the tool card in competitive band, if you're always winning the game, even if you play the card, you don't care because you're going to win the game anyways, right? So it's not like it was like, it hurt your win percentage in that sense. But it's like a card that you can put in play more aggressively or utilize more aggressively throughout a game. Um, So I feel like it's a little bit more consistent of a comeback card than something like Roxanne, where it's like, it's not going to be as limited in its playability as something like Roxanne because it's there's not there's there's multiple there's potentially multiple scenarios throughout uh any game you play where you could utilize it because you just have to be behind on prize cards. Your opponent doesn't have to have like two prize cards left or something. Um, so there's multiple scenarios where you could potentially utilize it throughout a game. And it's also something where it's like not just like, oh, I see it now, but now I'm gonna Marty. Now it's going back to the bottom of my deck. Well, I see the Roxanne before I can use it again. You can put competitive band in play, and be like, well. I'm gonna hit with this they're gonna ko this then i'm gonna want it here and then if they ever go chase this pokemon with the competitive man i don't really care so i'm just gonna put it here and now i'll have it for my next turn right um so i like it in that sense like i feel like it's a little bit more of like uh it's easier to utilize than something like a rock sand but yeah i see what you mean with like there's a difference in like the hand disruption versus like utility and i feel like the strongest utility comeback card of all time has to be pow hand extension right yeah uh, and Pow Hand extension said when you were behind on prize cards You could either move an energy from one of your opponent's Pokemon to another. And this was super powerful back in the day because of stuff like Scramble Energy and uh, double rainbow energy. That was the other one, right? Which could only be attached to evolution Pokemon. So your opponent would get ahead on the prize exchange and then you'd move their energy off their attacking stage two Pokemon, put it on a basic Pokemon. The energy gets discarded. They lose the energy. Or the other thing you could do with it is it could just gust something up. You have to choose between the two. And that's also a pretty powerful effect on an item card, right? We've all played with Pokemon Catcher, but not all of us. We've had Pokemon Catcher before and that thing was ridiculous. So being able to use a gust for an item was pretty good. So like that is like the king of... Uh, comeback cards that aren't hand disruption, right? So, yeah, yeah I don't know which way they're going to really go. So far, it seems like maybe they're leaning a little bit more on the uh, one behind, which does create interesting scenarios where we could finally see because we haven't had like a a meta in a while where you're like choosing not to take prize cards right i had like a i've had a couple scenarios playing lost box up against decks that play roxanne like i had one this weekend where I where i played against a Luka player that had roxanne uh, and purposely in a game i chose not to draw prize cards until my board state was set up where i would could almost guarantee draw back-to-back two hit ko's or two, uh, two prize ko's to close out the game so uh, it'd be cool if we entered that kind of, uh, it'd be really cool if they gave us both, right? If they gave us N back, and then they had stuff like power hand extension in the format, and then we really have like everything, and there's like a ton of depth to when you want to take knockouts and what you want to knock out and stuff like that.
0: I think that this card would have been really good if it did what you thought solid rage did right if it did 10 plus if it was like plus 10 damage always and then if you're behind plus 30 and i don't think that would be be really good i think that Uh... would be like I, i don't think it would be broken i think it would be good though i think it would definitely be good something that most decks chose to play um but like to me this is something that only specific decks will play
1: yeah yeah that's possible but if they give us a ton of these kind of cards right then maybe that'll be like okay you know you got a little bit for it each does just deck, depend what
0: else comes out for sure
1: yeah yeah if this is the only card if like we're gonna give you a bunch of comeback mechanics and this is the only thing we see for two sets then like okay yeah i mean i'm not saying yeah. i think that's
0: what's gonna happen but
1: yeah but that would be like the situation where it's like okay this this all we got is competitive ban. <laughs> like this all you're gonna give us um so yeah i think it depends on how much more they give us and, and potentially you know how much other kind of comeback mechanics they give us uh as well but it'd be cool if they gave us a bunch of like four or five different cards with like uh similar effects to the the competitive man and maybe throw an N on top of that i think you could get some really interesting in-depth gameplay at that point but i don't know if they want to go that route where it goes too far down you know back to like the the i don't know the days of like scramble energy plays and stuff like that with power hand extension and all those kind of shit because that was like some really like in-depth stuff of like when you want to take knockouts and how long do you wait before you start attacking and stuff like that i feel like so Um, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to those kind of days, but it would be definitely interesting to get a little bit more depth in those kind of decisions.
0: I do think those formats have a bigger skill gap than a format like this one, though, right?
1: Yeah, I I agree for sure. I agree. I almost feel like one of the biggest skill gaps in the Pokemon TCG currently is actually the mental uh, fortitude of having to play 16 or 15 rounds to get into top eight. And then also just the... Uh, the familiarity with the the long days outside of just like yeah so like the, the fatigue of just playing in long days over and over and over again i feel like that's like one of the uh the biggest strengths in the the pokemon tcg right now or one of the biggest like skill gap big one of the things that's a bigger part of the skill gap in the pokemon tcg and then also just like keeping up with the meta and constantly switching stuff up uh, as aggressively as you can you don't want to be like i kind of mentioned on last week you don't want to be the person playing the tech card the week later right sure
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why uh, we've seen so many of the regionals so far this season be full of veteran competitors, right? We've had... It feels like every season there's like a couple of regionals where there's just five or six people who... Are names you don't really recognize? People who like have made maybe day two a couple times, but you know, like people who are in their first top eight. We haven't had yeah. that in a while. We it's really been mostly you know there will be a couple people here and there that it's their first time in top cut, but for the most part, like six plus of the players in top eight are, are veterans of the game. It feels like.
1: Yeah, definitely like familiar names for sure. Um, people you've seen, you know, push into top eights or close to it. Uh, many times or names you've heard before for sure yeah and and that's something i think you want to see as long as you see that in the game that's like a good thing that means that the game is competitive enough that that is the uh you know that skill is still a pretty strong factor for sure so hopefully it uh continues to be that way that's like one of the things that i constantly put as kind of a uh even if i don't really love the format or i don't feel like it feels like too skillful i feel like we're just like flipping a bunch of coins out here if you can look at the results and you can be like okay, well, we still have top players consistently doing well, especially when you see like the same top players doing really well. That's a good indication that it's not the format. um, It's something you're doing wrong. And then you have to try and figure out what that is. So you can, you know, try and keep up.
0: All right, Azul. I think it is time for everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Guess that flavor text where each week, either Azul or I will pick a card read the flavor text off of the bottom corner, and have the other host try to guess what that Pokemon is. Try to guess that flavor text. And there are three potential lifelines you can utilize as well in order to help you narrow it down a little bit. Those three lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and then also read an attack name. And this week it is Azul's turn to pick a card for me. You got something picked out, Azul? I do. I do. I'm ready. And I for think this it. one either Okay, let Either
1: one might be really tough or I think you might just kind of know it off the bat. So I I'm a little just bit nervous. I it right away. Yeah, are you ready?
0: Absolutely.
1: All right. Blank were created to protect people and Pokémon. They run on a mysterious energy.
0: Okay. Created to protect people and Pokémon. So the first Pokémon I th- Think of, just when it comes to, like, we're created by... So, like, you know, Pokemon that were made by humans, it sounds like. I know that, like, Magnemite is made from human stuff, but I don't know that it was made to protect or anything. I think I am going to need a little bit of help. Not going to be a, a, a... Just straight off the bat guess from me. Um Let me start with what set the card is from.
1: It's from Plasma Blast.
0: Plasma Blast. So that's the... Um, Verizian Genesect set. Um. Alright, let me hear the flavor text one more time. I'm having a hard time with this one.
1: Blank were created to protect people and Pokemon. They run on a mysterious energy.
0: Run on a mysterious energy. So that makes me think it's some sort of, like, psychic type Pokemon. But it was also created by, um... I don't think there's, like, a magnum or anything like that. I think that's... I don't think I'm uh, going that route. There might be, like, a Behem or an Elgium in Plasma Blast that this could be. I'm going to use another lifeline here. Let's go with what stage the card is.
1: Is a stage one. All
0: right. I'm leaning towards Behem. I think I do want to use that last lifeline, though, just in case. Let's go with... Uh, yeah, read the attack
1: name. Shadow punch.
0: So it's a ghost type, not a psychic type, most likely. I guess it could Is be. Is that a thing? Be... That a
1: thing? <laughs> shadow <do> you... punch. <laughs> I yeah. I would never punch. be able to. Yeah, I'd never be able to draw that logic. to it, like Yeah, conclusion. bro, you've never
0: played the video games. Like you don't understand. <laughs>
1: All right, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Um. Oh man. Is it? Could it possibly be, like Banette or something like that, created by Pokemon? I don't think that's Banette. Um, mm, Stage One, Psychic type or Ghost type, created by to protect. Mm, could it be like? Mm, oh maybe golurk is there a golurk in plasma blast because that's a ghost type that's like a i kind of i guess it's something created by created to protect it's got like protector attacks there's a golurk in my cube actually and i think that the golurk in my cube is from plasma blast now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to go with Golurk. Let's lock it in. Golurk.
1: Oh, uh, it is. Let's Golurk. Go.
0: <laughs> Golurk uh, from the cube, brother. Let's get it.
1: I don't think it is the one from your cube, though. Um, Iron Fist of Justice, double call us for 60. If you have any team possible, come play. Yeah, is that's in the that cube. That is in the cube. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's in oh, yeah, the I thought you would maybe get this one. The more like the more it was kind of going, I was like, eh, I don't know. Chip might actually end up getting this one. you do get it. The if Goal you had Lurk. said
0: Iron Fist of Justice, I would have guessed it immediately. I know, <laughs> I knew
1: I couldn't do that. I knew I couldn't say that. I was like, even if you don't have the, yeah, I was like, I, that would just be like that. would Make things too easy, I think for sure.
0: Golurk created um, to protect Pokemon and humans. I will say, like, if you are trying to stump me of gen five Pokemon is generally going to be a pretty good guess. Cause that's probably the generation I know the least about, but luckily for me, I don't think, you know what a <laughs> single Pokemon from any generation is like, you don't know like what generation any Pokemon is from.
1: No, <laughs> well, I know, Behem's not from, Behem wasn't created back then. He a newer Pokemon, right?
0: No, behem? no. Behem's yeah. from gen
1: five for sure. No.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a behem Actually, in noble victories. Yeah.
1: Oh okay, I'm just see that says that shows how little I know. Cause I was confident I was like, oh Chip's messing up here. He thinks Behem is all the way back there." Uh, yeah, no, Behem's like,
0: from Plasma Storm. So I knew there was a plasma Behem, but once yeah, you said shadow C- pa- once yeah. you said Shadow Punch, I ruled out Behem because it's not a ghost type.
1: Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I couldn't be Behem <laughs> anymore once a shadow punch comes in.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go. Right. Chip gets a point on the board. <laughs> here we go. Extending Man, my lead, combat. I think that puts me up I know. that puts me up two points, up I'm pretty two. sure.
1: This is really coming back to bite me that I didn't guess the SQ and the there was another one too that I think I had off the rip and I just never? I committed. tried to
0: hand you the the ice cue. It is ice cube still. Ice cube. Ice cue. <laughs> I've held Did off. You, say correcting you again? I've, I've it's Vika and I've held off VikaVolt, correcting you this VikaVolt. entire episode.
1: <laughs> I said Vika No, I said Vika You said
0: Vika twenty times.
1: No, I said Vika a couple times. I've been I've been maybe in am like 50-50.
0: <laughs> Definitely set out Someone a couple Vika Check the tapes. So. Check the tapes. No way. Yeah.
1: No. Uh, the, the comments got me, got my back on this one. They wouldn't, they wouldn't lie. I said my call a couple times. The first time I said it for sure was by like, call. Well, I was just like trying to make sure I got it. Okay, but let's move on. Uh, next thing we're gonna talk about is just kind of where the meta goes from here. There's no tournament, no major tournament coming up this weekend. Uh, the last major tournament in this format will be in Liverpool. Uh, not, not this coming up weekend, but the weekend after the weekend of the 21st. Last tournament in this format. And I believe the... Uh, crown Zenith that drops on like the 19th on BTCG on BTCG live, but yeah, yeah it won't be legal uh, for Liverpool. The first tournament that'll be legal for will be Orlando. Um, so yeah, one last major tournament in this format, but I don't think anyone thinks crown Zenith is going to change up a whole ton. So this is pretty relevant. I think past Liverpool as well. Still. Um, I mean, where do we go from here? I think uh, what you kind of mentioned previously was kind of like the cycle of Lugia where it was like Toronto, everyone countered it and then going into Arlington it was uh the opposite all the lugia players adapted had their tech cards the canceling colognes and whatever else and then they dominated uh, and then we saw lugia lugia still be a pretty relevant deck but it didn't dominate the top eight like no. we saw at arlington but i don't think that was because like there was a bunch of counters all of a sudden right there's there wasn't like a bunch of wheezings and control decks in top eight it was just a kind of a bunch of other meta decks right
0: yeah so that I guess becomes the question, like, does that mean we're going to go into the cycle of now Lugi is going to absolutely dominate Liverpool? This is going to be the first, um, no, that's not even true. Sorry. Yeah, they Stuttgart was in this current format, right? Yeah. And in Stuttgart yeah. though, Stuttgart there was that was one of the tournaments where Lugia got super hard countered, right? So maybe they're going to experience the first part of <laughs> their cycle in Europe <laughs> where their their last regional championship Lugia was super hard countered. So now at this one it's just going to thrive. Um I don't know. I mean, I think a big part of it's going to depend on what do the best players choose to bring. Are they yep. going to be on the Lost Box decks or and in the, in the Reggies? Which in America it felt like this weekend, that's what the best players chose to play was Reggies and Lost Box for the most part. Uh, granted, mm-hmm. of course, there's still good players playing all sorts of different types of decks. There's good players playing Arceus Duraludon. Good players playing um, Lugia. No, and I think stuff that like might that.
1: disqualify you from being a once you pick up the Arctura, I don't think we can consider you a good player anymore. <laughs> You've gone this the guy. Arctura route. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. What, we'll have to see. Uh, will have to see about that. I don't know if I. I don't know if I can agree with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the most prevalent thing. There was two. Uh, I think the most biggest thing to talk about for Lugia is there was two Aerodactyl decks in top eight, right? Sure. And there is a really solid counter for uh, Aerodactyl in the form of canceling Cologne, um, right? For Lugia decks to potentially run. So I think that's going to be the biggest question is just like, should Lugia decks to pick that up? Is that like a must include moving forward? Like, do we want to keep getting Aerodactyl cheesed? The Aerodactyl matchups are about 50-50 though. It's just kind of who goes first, right? Yeah. Um, and I would even say, maybe I give Lugia a slight percentage edge, like 52% because there's more cards in the Lugia deck to set up a turn two Lugia than there is in the Aerodactyl decks to set up a turn two Aerodactyl. I say, I guess, but maybe besides the Vika Vault build because the Vika Vault deck is just super aggressive, right? So you're going to see a lot of cards yeah, the, really fast. The, the Vika like deck decks, is super consistent Vicavolt for decks, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Vika Volt deck,
0: I don't, I don't know if I would call it super consistent. It just I sees a lot of consi- cards. Yeah, it, it does so, just draw through the deck really, really
1: powerful, Yeah, you see a ton yeah. of cards, but sometimes you just see a lot of bad cards for the situation. For but true. the Arceus deck doesn't play as many cards or see as many cards to get out the turn two Aerodactyl. So I actually think Lugia has a slight edge against that. Once you get to flying Pikachu plus the Espeon involved though, maybe it does come back to around a 50-50 um but yeah that's i think that's the biggest question for me is just like how much do you respect aerodactyl moving forwards in this format like do we go is canceling clone going to be the go-to tech now like do you need it i
0: mean and honestly oh, there's a bunch of other scenarios where canceling cologne can come up if you're playing raikou in your lugia deck you can boss plus cologne a manaphy that's a two-card mm-hmm. combo though so it's a little harder to necessarily have that um if you were to play against a Mewtwo V union control, all of a sudden you can play canceling cologne and then you can evil tall the Mewtwo V union, right? So um and I'm sure there's other scenarios where it's it's probably useful as well. That I'm not just thinking of, yeah, right wheezing, off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ar- Ar- you have to do it twice against Ar- no Archistoral, Ar- you can do it once. You can do a-, a Lugia with four powerfuls, canceling cologne, choice belt one a KO, right? Yeah. Actually, this sounds the more I talk about it, the <laughs> better canceling cologne. I haven't thought about all the scenarios. I knew it That's was definitely lot. pretty solid. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I kind of like it because it covers a lot of the cheesy stuff. Like, you, I think I would like it a lot more if Lugia was like, a, like a, a a solid tier 1 deck slash tier 2 deck and it wasn't 30% of the meta. Then I would be like, ooh, this is really cool to include these tech cards. But when it's 30% of the meta, you have to think about how these cards affect the mirror. And these cards, all the tech cards you can put in Lugia all suck in the mirror. They're not good. None of right. the cards that you can except maybe Path. Path, you can do some cheesy stuff in the mirror. But that's like pretty... I don't know they're not going to come up too often right so all the tech cards you could play really cool against all the gimmicks you could run into really bad in the mirror match and the mirror match is the deck you're going to play against the most right so it's really hard to justify playing these canceling colognes uh when the deck you're going to play against the most and might not even use the canceling clones against the cheesy stuff uh, it's going to be the mirror match right so that's i think that's the biggest thing and that's why a lot of the lukia players don't play uh, a lot of the cheesy stuff because it's like well I'm probably not going to play against an Aerodactyl deck, but I am going to play against four Lugia decks. Why would I play a card that's bad in that matchup, right?
0: I do want to say just real quick, because (laughs) I'm recording on my OBS at home here. Um, There was just a really weird sound that popped off that sounded like a Pokeball opening up, and that was my Twitch follow notification. I have not streamed on Twitch in, like... Almost a year, and someone just randomly followed me on Twitch. So if you just heard that sound (laughs) – if you just heard that sound randomly, that's what that was, and I apologize for that.
1: Gosh. Professional content creator. I guess, right? Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we're not going to see – if someone – I think, like, the people who do the best with Lugia in Liverpool, they're going to have something in their deck like that, right? We're not going to just see someone roll up with a vanilla Lugia. I mean, we probably will still see people with vanilla Lugia lists (laughs) do well just because it's, like, powerful and good, right? But I think, like, the best players who choose to play Lugia, like, you know, toward going to this event, he's going to probably have something in his deck to, to respond to these things.
1: Hopefully something that's not Lugia. I would like to see more of the... More of the people who consider those top players, you know, come up with something, something a little bit different, something a little bit new. I feel like we've been lacking that recently, but it's hard to do in these formats as well. It's hard to justify. Uh, I mean, for me, it's pretty easy to justify not playing Lugia. I don't get why it's so hard for everyone else to justify not playing Lugia, but it's hard to justify not playing a de- one of the more top decks when it's like if it's not a de- if it's not Lugia or a deck that beats Lugia, it's hard to like really find something. But yeah, I'm hoping like you know. Uh, the Tords and stuff of the of Europe and stuff, come up with something different, something new. Maybe there's something else really left, but even like little gimmicks like Canceling Cologne or something else in a different kind of deck would be cool to see as well. Um, you know, some kind of weird, weird tech card and even maybe an already established deck would just be cool to see. So yeah, hopefully less Lugia, but yeah, still probably majority of people, majority of the top players can be probably bringing the Lugia again, but yeah, hopefully they had, at least have something spicy. That'd be nice to see.
0: So one other thing I did want to talk about is what your opinions are right now on the Reggie versus Lugia matchup. Because pretty much for as long as Lugia has been in the format, everyone has said, us included, that if Lugia plays Manaphy plus Dunsparce, they're just favored, right? I mean, Reggie's going to beat Lugia if they don't play both of those cards. But if Lugia plays both of those cards, they're going to be favored. But we saw a lot of Reggies this weekend. We saw a lot of good players playing Reggies. And not a lot of Lugia rising to the top of the event. Is that because... The matchup is maybe closer than we gave it credit for initially.
1: Um, I think it probably is a little bit more than I thought, especially after like winning that tournament last week with Reggie, uh, an online tournament. Um, I played it and I played against a decent amount of Lugia and if I remember correctly, and I was also just kind of playing it a little bit more leading up to that. Uh, it definitely felt maybe I think they I, th- I think I have to give Lugia the edge still if they have both, but they have to have both. Uh, and even then, it feels still pretty like Reggie still bricks sometimes, but Reggie sometimes cheeses you with pass. So I want to say it's pretty close to fifty-fifty, but it's weird to say. If I say it's close to a 50-50 with both, so that makes Reggie seem like it's really, really good to be honest. Because then if you play against any Lugia that doesn't have both, you're beating them the majority of the time, right? So that kind of makes it. So I don't. I almost don't want to say it's not that because I feel like you're still losing as Reggie a decent amount of time to Lugias that only have like the Manaphy or the Dunsparce. I don't know um i would say it's close for sure if they have both lugia probably still has the edge if they have both um i think the way it's going to come down to but also it depends on other tech cards as well like they said a path is a big deal in uh the reggie deck they play four they're going to have it out a lot of time if you only have Pumpkaboo as an out to path you're gonna have less of a good time because then you pretty much always have to put it in play as an answer to a path instead of like having the vacuum or something like that so i think i still give lugia the edge if it has both i think it's definitely closer than i thought i kind of thought lugia was kind of dumpstering it but i think the biggest factor is just some of the best players chose to play Reggie, right? And I think that's always going to be the biggest factor for results and placements and what decks do well is what did the best players bring. Um, So yeah, I think it's always going to be going to be a bigger factor than anything yeah so that's why we saw you do a little bit worse reggie was a little bit more popular and did a little bit better overall than it normally does even though there's only one reggie in top eight there was a ton of red like drew versus yes. sam chen reggie mirror that didn't complete but the winner of that would have definitely been in top eight because i think they would have that would have been a 35 pointer yes uh, and said they tied. oh maybe not maybe they ended with 32 32 so maybe it would have been another i think it was 33
0: 30 32 ended.
1: Oh, okay, so if one of them won, guaranteed the other one won, then it would have been a possibility. I think they both had pretty good resistance, though, so I think they would have got in. So there would have been another That's Reggie true, in top actually, eight and
0: so on. Neither because all 34s made it. So it was, a, it was a 32-32. Yeah, it was a 32-32 matchup.
1: Okay. okay. Oh, no, yeah, it's true, That's true, it's true. Yeah, it's a 32-32 matchup. Um, and then, you know, Bradner came in to day two at 8-1 and one with Reggie. Uh, definitely had some probably unfortunate situations arise you know usually when someone comes in and we have a good player like that coming in at A and one they're usually going to be in the top eight on the next day didn't end up happening so like i mean yeah reggie's were there it's just like i mean there's a lot of good players a lot of uh different decks so uh definitely did better than we expected but yeah the lugia matchup in general um yeah, i think it's it's definitely not as bad for reggie as i thought when they had the manny dunny
0: yeah probably a little closer than we and then merely probably anyone gave it credit for so
1: yeah yeah i think yeah it seemed like the community in general was just like if they have Manny and Donnie, you lose if they don't you're favorable but it definitely seems like it's a little bit more back and forth in in the in-between there
0: so moving forward in the format do we expect Rayquaza to remain the most played lost box deck it did just have two placements in the top eight um obviously you and caleb were right there in the top 16 with the kyogre um but Rayquaza seems to have definitely been the more popular choice. And I guess maybe another question would just be like, why do you think more people have not picked up the Kyogre? Um, is it just like um, more mu- that much more difficult to play maybe than Rayquaza?
1: It's definitely a lot more difficult to play. Like not even like, because I play the deck, it just is the most. It's the hardest Lost Box deck to play, I think, in general. Yeah. Uh, Rayquaza is a lot more straightforward. The only thing you have to do with Rayquaza constantly is making sure what energy you have in the deck, what energy you have in your hand. But like your game plans moving forward are so much more linear. Then with the Kyogre deck, there's so many more things you have to think about as the Kyogre deck, like turn to turn. Um, but I do think the Rick Walter deck is pretty powerful. I don't think it's like better than Kyogre. I do think they're both better than Sablezard. That's like for sure. I think the power level of sable art is just too low. Even if there's maybe sablesard's a little bit more consistent, I think the power level of sables art is so much lower. Um, maybe not though, because like I like I brought up the fact of the Greninja, like but like usually the trade-off is you have a lot more switch cards in the sablesard build. Um, but you do need those more explosive starts where you get out like the triple comb feed to be able to abuse all those switch cards anyway. So you do have a little bit more to work for. Um, so the power garden is a pretty big deal. But yeah, I think Rayquaza will be the most popular moon forwards. Uh, I definitely think the Kyogre is the harder build to play, but it's not enough to the point where it's like you definitely should be playing Kyogre. Learn your learn the Kyogre over the Rayquaza. I think Rayquaza is also super solid. They both have their, their ups and downs. Rayquaza has a little bit better of a matchup spread. I think overall against the fringe stuff, you don't need a tech for any of it. You just kind of one hit KO everything with Rayquaza. You don't have to try and prepare for Giratone or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I'm still a fan of the Kyogre. If I play Lost Box again, I'll probably be Kyogre. I really don't want to play Lost Box again. Though hopefully Crown Seen this shakes up the format enough where I'm not playing Lugia or Lost Box, but still bringing a pretty good deck to the, to the next tournament.
0: So do you think that Mew getting second place is going to have an impact on its uh, finishes, potentially? I don't think its meta share is going to change. I think it's always going to probably be that second most played deck just because of how accessible it is, how powerful it is, and how much people like to play it um yeah. but you know i mean in america at least we didn't see very many top level players choosing to play it to the tournament this weekend where in past tournaments they have um do you think that maybe some of the top players who have played it in the past have put it down do you think like they'll see themselves going to pick it back up like is the meta move to a spot where Mew isn't as hated uh in the format like or not hated but like isn't as like pressured in the format as maybe it was for like arlington previously um i think
1: yeah, I think there's definitely less pressure on it. Uh, I think Mew was just kind of caught in the crossfire of Mew Union for the most part for Arlington. Like, that's kind of just unfortunate for Mew. Uh, I say that, but I don't really care for Mew as well, to be honest. Uh, I think it'll sit at the 12 to 15%. We saw it at, at just under that at 11 point something for uh, this tournament for San Diego. But I think moving forward, it'll be at that 12 to 12 to 15% for the, the next major bet for probably Liverpool. And moving forwards, probably, like I said, Crown's United theoretically, if it doesn't change up too much, which it doesn't seem like it will, it'll maintain that. Uh, More people might give it a a shot. I don't think it really changes too much in terms of it. Definitely is less look, less there's just less drapeon. I think it's like the main thing, right? Is how much drapeon is there? Uh, But Lostbox going up in popularity, especially the Ray build, to be honest, that's pretty bad for Mew because like there's gimmicky stuff you can play and do up against the Kyogre build or even the Sablezard build. I feel like um, like Roxanne hits Sablezard really hard. Uh, But the thing about the Kyogre build is Kyogre build can play around Roxanne, but the Rayquaza build. Uh, that's well, what that's Zan- true. Xander Perot yeah. played the
0: Manaphy in his <laughs> Mew deck. Is that the, the key, the secret, the tech?
1: I guess you really want to beat the Kyogre build. But I feel like raise the. I heard you know... that
0: uh, Xander played against Cal Connor round one, and yeah. uh, Xander Perot playing the Mew. VMAX deck with Manaphy in it and Cal was playing Lostbox Kyogre and apparently when Xander benched the Manaphy Cal like lost his mind like did not (laughs) understand it was like his brain broke is what I heard someone say like he could not compute (laughs) could not understand what was happening why is there a Manaphy on the field right now in this Mew deck
1: not comprehend I mean that's fair like what that would be like I would see that I'd be like what is going on why is this here (laughs) Uh, for anyone who doesn't, he hasn't seen Xander's less either, Xander also played a 1-1 Aerodactyl in Mew. To Once again, just kind of be like, get that extra win percentage. And Mew doesn't need as much help against Lugia as some other decks do, like the Arceus deck or the Vault deck. But Vigabolt. it is nice whenever you go first to kind of just auto-win, right? And then when you go second, be like, all right, I'll get cheesy if I can win. That's great. If not, that's fine. Game two where I get off my turn one or turn two Aerodactyl, right? So it's like an interesting uh inclusion there from Xander. And yeah, also the mana he really did not want to lose the Kyogre, I guess, uh, with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like Mew's not in a ridiculously good. I feel like it's about a, it's like it's still in a pretty mid spot. There's still Drapions out there. Uh and then I think the biggest thing is like the lost Ray deck I think has a pretty solid matchup against them. Uh overall. I mean I guess Roxanne Path can come in, and, you know, you use Ray, you KO Mew, Roxanne Path happens and maybe you're in trouble from there. I guess like that could still be a uh, be a thing. So I don't know. But if like the Ray decks play like the goon, I'm sure there's some cheesy stuff you can do with like Sableye Goon and set up damage on like Gruninja Sableye Goo like Gruninja Sableye and then set up some damage on Genesex and then go like Goon Pink plus Rayquaza swing and just kind of win the game in one turn or something like that. So yeah, I am not a huge fan of Muse still. I think it's like fine. Uh, I think it's fine. I think having some cool tech cards in there is like, gonna be a big deal. Like we said, it was Xander, <laughs> Manaphy, and Aerodactyl, and then we saw um Nathan with the, the collapse stadium. I think it was the big thing. Uh, that gave them a lot of uh, a lot of uh a surprise factor up against probably quite a few matchups. So I think you bring something a little cheesy, I think, in the Mew. Um, yeah, and once don't again pl- don't, don't play Mellometto Mew, I would say don't play Melamoto Mew. I think it's like too straightforward, you don't have enough room for anything.
0: Once again, having the surprise factor I think is pretty important when it comes to playing a Pokemon tournament. Even if it's just one card, right? Have something that people aren't going to be expecting. Like if you're playing Lost Box Kyogre, having the Dragonite going into this weekend, not something people would have expected. Isaiah Bradner and all of them decided to play a Cape of Toughness in their Reggie deck. Drew Kennett Drew also played. Yeah, had the um, the Cape of Toughness. And he also had Lost Vacuum. So <laughs> <laughs> he had the mirror mirror tech tech. yeah yeah Yeah. the mirror mirror tech it wasn't he actually got he got interviewed by puka and puka asked him about that he was like it wasn't for that it was for like the um i think like the 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 parasol and stuff like that most likely
1: yeah um it's like shadow rider collapse stadium uh combo
0: and it just happens that it also works for him to uh you know do that in the mirror if other people came to that stream cheese yeah exactly yeah um, and I think the last question we have written down here for the meta adapting moving forward is which of the two Arceus decks do you think is best? I know what your answer is going to be for that. You definitely are going <laughs> to think that Makani's is way better than Um, But do you think we'll ever get to a spot where like a deck like that is going to be more popular than Arceus Duraladon?
1: That'd be tough. I think we could get there. Um, I think one of the reasons people like Ar- Arctoralidon is like it's been a deck for a while ease of accent play but the thing is like it's almost like two different categories of players who you know show up to Pokemon Trevor the ones who are trying to you know play for the win play for top eight there's ones who are just trying to show up and have fun with their deck um and that's like where a lot of the percentage I feel like comes for Arc I know Grant Shen is a diehard Arceus Gerard mm-hmm. fan for sure um and I think there's probably a couple other you know uh, and Grantian's a great player, right? And There's a couple other of those those higher end players who probably are think the deck is at least solid, or you know really think it is, you know the 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 deck right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it still. And I think that bigger percentage is coming from the play. You know, it's been a deck for a while, which is one of the reasons Muse percentage is always going to be so high, right? Even if everyone plays a Drapion, Muse percentage will still be pretty high because a lot of people are just coming to show up with their their Muse deck, right, and play a Pokemon tournament, right? So that's going to be a big percentage of why Arceus Roudon is going to be probably going to still be that most popular Arceus deck, but I do think there is some I I do think the more powerful of the two is probably what Makani brought, or some kind of build like that. If I had to bring an Arceus deck, it would definitely be something like that. I'd, I'd start with something like that, for sure. Arctura ain't it.
0: I think that is going to do it for our episode this week. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and tuning in. As always, we really do appreciate the support. And if you want to go that little extra mile and support us even more, easiest way to do that is to leave a rating for the podcast on whatever podcasting platform you listen on. It just takes a second, and it really does help more people discover the podcast, so it helps us out a whole bunch. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd appreciate any sort of sub or Uh, dropping a like on the video, drop us a comment, let us know how you're doing on the Guess That Flavor text. And if you want to interact with us and stay up to date with what's happening, the best place to do that is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy.
1: That's going to do it. Catch you all next week at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Peace.